to Unwritten Imaginings, where lazy authors talk about story ideas that they'll never get around to writing. New episodes every Sunday. Let us know if you use one of our ideas, and we'll give your story a shout out in a subsequent episode. Submit your Unwritten Imaginings themed playlist and gain two entries into our grand prize draw. And if it's just full of like random songs from all over the map, I mean, I guess that works, but it's probably not what we're looking for exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could submit one for like just unwritten imaginings, but you could also like submit one for like one of the episodes. That's probably less chaotic. That would probably be a lot less chaotic, yeah. I mean, it's still pretty chaotic. We, we have a lot of chaotic energy. It depends on the chaotic <laughs> episode, you know? Because there are some episodes where we just, you know, went in a straight line. But there are other episodes that, you know, might be more tangent than episode. Yeah. If you're into those episodes, click our tag. Even more tangents than usual. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what the tags are for. I don't know what the tags are for. Is anybody searching through the tags? Probably nobody searching through the tags. No, but I think it's what the tags are for. They're for meta humor. <laughs> that too. Okay. Well, hi everybody. My name's Eunice. I am the author of Fantasia, and Eternosaurus. And uh, today I hugged more people than I've hugged in probably like over a decade. Maybe this this could be a high score for one day hugs of different people. I see, I see. I'm assuming this number is less than 10. Wait, it might be around 10. Oh, impressive. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of people. Oh. Uh, there was, there were like farewells involved. And a lot of people that I'd never hugged before. Well, um, that's, that's different, I guess. <laughs> Because, I mean, I could just go over to, uh, you know, literally two days ago and get myself a uh, 12. But, you know, does that count? Because I have more hugs with people on a regular basis. Yeah, no, no. This, this, if, you, if you graph my daily hugs over my lifetime, this is, like, extreme outlier. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. I guess that, that would stand out then. I probably average, what, like, 0. .05 hugs per day? <laughs> That's not enough hugs. Well, I mean, if you don't count inanimate objects, I'm constantly hugging those. They're just not hugging me back. <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't been counting in, inanimate objects for either myself or you, but you know, if we want to include those in yours just to round out the numbers a little bit, it's probably fair. Well, then that's one per day because I'm just continuously holding... <laughs> Uh, my stuffed animal. I think my number might still be higher, but you know what? We're just going to skip over that. <laughs> and my introductions, because we've already gone on a tangent. <laughs> well, it's all about me this episode. Uh, so, my idea for this week is that there are people who have, like, a, a like once-in-a-lifetime ESP power. They can use it once. They can choose when they use it, but once it's gone, it's gone. And uh, they can use it to find out the truth about any one thing. I mean, this sounds like a sci-fi setting, because there's absolutely no way that science didn't explode in speed. Uh, but probably, like, 
the amount of information that you will get from asking the question is the equivalent of let's say like one paragraph so if you ask something okay. like how does gravity work like it, it won't you won't get something that you understand unless you mostly already know how gravity works yeah really, yeah still if like Literally every procedural scientist has a massive discovery that they can make exactly once in their lifetime. That's still enormous. Yeah, it does. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. However, probably we would, I would make it a world where magic and physics interact in a way that's a little more complicated than normal physics. <laughs> I mean, we don't have, like, magic per se so much as just, like... One time, ask a question, get an answer. You know, a couple people have asked the question, how does this asking thing work? And never, never gotten an answer that anybody could understand. I mean, that's obvious. <laughs> Eventually what you would do is you would, you know, find the people who want to ask that question and then you would branch down the question so that you could automatically build up the fundamentals that you would require to understand the answer to the final question. Yeah. It takes a lot of coordination between a lot of people to build up a, you know, a body. It does, of and a lot of indoctrination of children. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it does lead to very fast scientific progress. Because imagine, you know, go back to the 1400s. <laughs> does the Earth orbit around the sun? Yes. Well. Well, that settles that. Exactly. <laughs> And you need, like, a maximum of, like, five people to do it for a whole region. But, like, uh... Oh, yeah, and there's probably, like, science institutions that are also orphanages. Because they just, like, find orphans and then raise them to be scientists so that they'll use their questions for scientific endeavors. <laughs> I mean, basic science literacy in this world is incredibly important like fundamental <laughs> to because like otherwise people will like waste it on like in their teenagerhood on like does this guy really like me <laughs> i mean people would definitely still waste it there but i think you have enough people who would save it that you're fine the answer is no and then they're crushed <laughs> <laughs> man of all those stupid things to ask Oh, come on! If you can use it any time, there's- it's like, uh, the marshmallow test, you know? Like, the people who can save it for when they really need it and have a question they really want to ask, and then people will just use it. The marshmallow it's, test? It's like where you give a child a marshmallow, and then you're like, I'm gonna leave the room. And if you eat the marshmallow, then, you know, you can eat it. But if the marshmallow is still here by the time I come back, you can have two marshmallows. And then they leave for five minutes, and then they film the children having- Don't five-year-olds have a 70% rate of having two marshmallows left at the end? No, 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 it's way worse than that. I remember that the success rate is unreasonably high for what people expect. I don't know. I, I don't think it's 70, I think it's close, it's lower than that, but I don't actually remember. And I don't remember the age of the children either. All I remember is watching the videos- Three-year-olds like, almost universally eat the first marshmallow. I am aware of that. But I think that like five-year-olds are at the point where getting two is worth it to them. 
Three-year-olds probably don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> Three-year-olds have language processing. Yes, but, but like, do they understand what the future is? Future rewards? That's that's a little bit more questionable, and probably okay. the reason why there's not a huge success rate for them. The point is, it's really funny watching children, like, battle with willpower and lose. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, there's so many who, like, intend to wait, and then after, like, one or two minutes, they, like, physically can't, and they eat the marshmallow. <laughs> um, I see. And then, you know, I'm just imagining, like, what I would do as a child put into that study, because I don't even like marshmallows. So, (laughs) I'd be like, okay, and then not eat it, and I'd get a second one and also not eat that. (laughs) So, really, the uh, secret was not liking marshmallows. Yes. That is also my secret to staying thin. I just don't like most foods. <laughs> I'm not sure that that counts as like a secret so much as just like, you know, an uh, easy cheat code. Just don't like food. Done. Well, I don't know. People people like don't seem to think of that as an option when they they're They think of it as an option, but it also doesn't apply. <laughs> There's, there are definitely ways you could you could just make everything taste You can't choose terrible. to hate food. Uh, you could alter your taste sensation. How? Well, there are certain, um, like, uh, chemicals that are extremely... Oh, so we're just gonna drug ourselves to, uh, lose weight? I don't think that counts. No, no, not drug yourself. It's just, like, drug your taste buds. Your taste buds are part of yourself. Yes, but I'm not talking about systemically absorbing anything to affect your brain. It's like, just put, like, bitter chemicals on your tongue. Okay, but then it's going to taste bitter whether you're eating or not. Yeah, and then your appetite will turn sour because the whole world tastes bitter. (laughs) Also, I don't have issues with bitter things. Also, other option, get braces. When eating hurts, that also... Uh, is effective. <laughs> oh man. Eunice, I think I was... your tips don't apply. Uh, but we're gonna skip past that. I was so hungry when I first got braces. <laughs> we're just gonna okay. skip past that. Okay. Um, honestly, I don't think that there's a magic system in this world per se, other than like you have your question. Mm-hmm. I kind of question what story would we be telling here? It's about the truth and what's worth using your your one shot to know. So we want to tell like an existentialist story here? Like I don't know, let's make it a romance. I don't I don't feel <laughs> Okay. Um, how would you plan on making it a romance? Well, okay, we had the, it has to be some kind of truth that's not like a scientific truth. But it would be a character who was raised that... Such a waste of a question. ...that science is number one. But they find something that's more important. And it has to do with love. (laughs) I mean, you know, philosophy would also get an interesting boost. So, so, you know, we'll start with an orphan who was raised in one of these scientific learning institutions. Who has, you know, their entire academic 
career planned out. They know exactly what field they're going to. They have their main question planned, although they're still like finalizing the details because they found that a certain amount of specificity is helpful when you ask your question. Yeah. But then complications slash a person arrives who causes things to be more black, more gray and then black and white and feelings <laughs> ensue. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I sound really incoherent, but... <laughs> you sound fully coherent, but the, the issue that I'm running into is uh-huh. like, why this story in this setting? Well, you know, you could, you could make it about philosophy, but I thought it would be more interesting to, to like, not go where it obviously wants to go. <laughs> See, I'm all for not going where something obviously wants to go, but I'm not entirely for going where something doesn't support where you're trying to go, you know? I mean, I can't think of what that question would be right now, but I'm sure we could think the of something. The problem is that if you want to get like a philosophy answer, you don't want the question to be answered at all. Like the entire point of the book is like thinking about it and getting to a place where asking the question and receiving the correct answer is the point. Or like maybe the character meets one of those religious weirdos who like go through their whole life without ever asking the question. And then it's like, why would you do that? Oh, I just made a deep. (laughs) And then thinks that they're crazy until they talk about it. And it's just like, you know, philosophy and mystery. And curiosity and and other things that end with why. Um, <laughs> I suppose. I feel like there would be an entire like section of people who save their question until like the last moments of their life, so that they can put it down at the last second with the most possible background knowledge for everything. <laughs> yeah, but how do you know when you're about to die? Well, you don't know if you're about to die if you're about to die suddenly. You do know if you're about to die, if you're like, you know, you've got a disease that you're not going to recover from. Yeah, but, you Or know, if you're really old. If you're going to die gradually. I've had at least some people that I spoke to who were like, yeah, I'm going to die in the next week or so. Yeah, but like, those... And then they did. In that situation, you're not exactly your most uh, lucid and clear of thought. Well, I mean, again, with the unrecoverable disease, you, you can be. You're imminently dying in the next week. The dying in the next week, she was lucid enough to have a conversation at the time. That's not the same as, like, summing up the full uh, extent of the wisdom and knowledge you've gained in your life to ask the best question ever. That's a, that's a higher no, level. No, no, I didn't say ask the best question ever. I said get the best response possible. Yeah, but still, I wouldn't. I wouldn't save it till then. I probably wouldn't either. You know, sometime mid forties, early fifties. You know, once once you know what your question is, it's like maybe you know you you revise your question every year until 
you you go a couple of years without feeling the need to change it, and you're like, okay, I think it's it's good. Let's go. Let's go. And then you do the ritual. I don't know what the ritual is. I assume it has to do with just asking the question and burning a candle or something. You have to be in deep meditation and ask the question to the universe. And the universe answers. <laughs> I mean, you could uh, make a whole thing out of that, you know? Sounds like the premise to a movie. You ask a question to the universe and the universe answers. Yeah. I mean, if you really wanted, you could make like a sci-fi space opera horror out of this. That would be fun. Uh, would it? I would have fun with it. Okay, well, I don't want the universe to be a horror. Oh no, it's not the universe that's a horror. It's just kind of like the space itself, you know? Space is a horror. Oh, I see. Space is horror. It's trying to kill you. And it's not that there's nowhere to run. It's that it, it's not going to help you if you do. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, it's just big. I mean, I don't think... The horror of big. I don't think it's any different from any other environment that we weren't meant to survive in. It is a little bit different in just how much of it there is. Okay. You know? Because, like, if you're, if, if you're at the bottom of the ocean, almost all the thing, same things that apply to space apply there. Except that you do know that if you have enough time and you can go up, you're going to get to somewhere where you can live. Okay. But space is more like you're going to go in a direction and hope that there's something there. Because there might not be. And even if there is something, it might not help you. Actually, it probably won't help you, because most things in space are not friendly to life. Either way, you're gonna die, so it's fine. <laughs> you're gonna die eventually, might as well be today. Uh, I'm very, what am I, morbid? Is that the word? Who I'm knows? not sure that it's morbid, but we can call it that. Okay, the point is, there's a person with a question. And, um, what would be a question that's not just an answer to a scientific question that would be worth asking if you get one for your whole life? Again, philosophy is, is a good area here. Also, like, nobody else can verify that the knowledge you got. I mean, they can ask the same question. Yeah. And that's sort of like what the society is built to do, is you get more than one person to verify everything. Seems like a waste of questions. It does, you know? In the same way that uh, replication studies seem like a waste of science, don't they? Well, I mean, only if people are <laughs> lying or doing their studies wrong, which, you know... If or run into an outlier because they're doing a study on people because that's just the reality of the situation. They run into one outlier, then maybe their sample size is too small. No, not an outlier. Like, their sample size was the right size. They did everything correctly, and then they fell into that tiny fraction of possibility where they just got bad results based on no fault of their own, which does happen. Sure, that happens through no fault of their own. But in this world, if somebody's publishing a paper with wrong information claiming that it was based on the one question that they had, and it's not, then they're just straight up lying. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, 
I mean, I'm not saying it's... You may notice that that's one of the things that replication studies is also built to test, right? So I'm not saying that it's not required, but I'm saying it wouldn't be required if people didn't suck so much, which they always do, and it disappoints (laughs) me. (laughs) I mean, that's true. Why y'all have to disappoint me so much? Wouldn't it be nice if every person on Earth was a perfect individual? There's a difference between being perfect and just, like, having the basic decency to not make up data and publish it in a scientific journal. Are you sure? (laughs) Are you defining that as perfection? (laughs) Because then I got a lot of perfect people. On a certain degree. (laughs) Okay. People with with access to that sort of... Like, I'm not defining that as perfection. I'm defining it as part of perfection. Well, yes. But there's a lot of separate things that are part of perfection. But you don't have to uh, have them all. I mean, it's just that, like, you have to completely remove the motivators for doing the wrong thing. Which is just not, like, a possible thing to do. So... Or you could just have people who aren't motivated to suck like that. Yeah, you go ahead and do that when you can only get one question per individual. You're the one who set up this world, Eunice. Deal with the problems you introduced. I'm just saying, if people would just stop sucking, then it would be great. (laughs) I mean, but you could say that about our current world, right? I do say that about our current world. What are you talking about? I mean, I, I wasn't gonna. All the time. I wasn't gonna bring it up. It's one of the themes of my stories. <laughs> if people didn't suck, everything would work great. I mean, it's true. It's just also not helpful. Right. I just have like a bunch of people in my stories who don't suck, and then one, a couple of cartoonishly exaggerated villains for everyone to hate. <laughs> I mean, they seem cartoonishly exaggerated to you. Oh, wait, is that... what? They're not exaggerated? Are, the, are those are normal human behaviors? Oh, no. Those some people. of them are. Oh, no. Not all of them, I'll give you that. No. But some of them are. Oh, no. It's like when I'm trying to be do a parody, but it's like actually people do suck that much, and then I just get depressed. <sighs> okay, well. That's why parody is almost dead. Well... Okay. Either way, so they eventually decide on a philosophy answer, I guess? So, science major becomes a philosophy major in the book. Well, it's not like they don't believe in science anymore, but... Obviously not. Becomes a philosophy major doesn't mean forgets science. It means changes focus. But it's just like... The pursuit of explaining everything is not the end-all and be-all. And you know what? We'll get there eventually. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what, what an example of what that question would be. But, uh, it's something incredibly and uh, annoyingly specific so that, nobody, so that nobody ever thinks that it has any application to their real life. I don't know. Like, if I had to write this story, I would, all, I would obviously just uh, jump into the beginning and then have some characters run out of my control, and then they would come up with their question on their own, because that's how exactly. I write. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go the easy route, you always have the, uh, what is love? 
Oh man, that did, I just automatically go, baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was the point. You weren't supposed to comment on it. <laughs> I can't. It's too strong of an association. Oh man. There may have been uh, a muting of my microphone on this side so that I could say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but shh, oh, yeah. we don't talk about that. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, we'll have a bunch of p- different people, maybe not a bunch, maybe three different people who have different philosophies on what their questions should be. And one of them is like, doesn't even ask the question. I refuse to ask the question until, you know, development has gotten to a certain degree, because I just want to know. I mean, I bet if you ask the question, what is love, you know, it cannot be explained in one paragraph, so you'll get... Oh, you're going to get exploded unless you have... Yeah, you're going to get... Like a massive amount of background knowledge. Or maybe it's like, the the more complex of a question you ask the more condensed the answer is so that it fits inside like approximately a paragraph and then over time like people learn what this weird code is that like really complex you're like you're like figuring out the code and until you're at the point where you can understand the code then you don't deserve to know what the code says Uh, but in order to figure out what the code is you have to ask the complex question and all the components of the of the smaller components, and then go back, deduce, and then translate. I don't Although, know. the fact that the question is answered at all is its own form of information, you know? Because if, if you ask not, can I travel faster than light, but how do I travel faster than light, and you get an answer, well, there you go. Well, yeah, uh, don't waste your question on a yes or no answer. That's waste. Yeah, but not everyone's going to realize that. Really? I feel like people will get basic training on what's a good I question. I mean, everybody in the world that we're talking about would, but I'm not sure that whoever's, whoever uh, might be writing this yeah. is going to, you know, have that in their head as they do it. They probably don't teach children the ritual till they're older, just so there's not as much question wasting. <laughs> you get taught when you turn 18. Yeah. You can ask now. You're an adult. We may judge you real hard, but you're technically an adult. <laughs> we are going to judge you if you ask a really stupid question, but you are an adult. You know, people are allowed to make stupid decisions. And never never a more obvious thing has been said. <laughs> exactly. Look, if you don't let children make stupid decisions, are you really letting them be children? Well... Depends on if it's, like, suicidally stupid or just regular child stupid. Regular child stupid is allowed. Yeah. But I would say that suicidally stupid should not be allowed. Yeah. Because you can't learn from your mistakes if you're dead. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> um, okay. Well, do we want to make up any other characters? I mean, it's complex, but do we have, like, a, a conflict? It's... I mean, it's mostly just, like... Man versus learning self. Learning about... Yeah. It's man versus self, I guess. Uh, and learning about it as much as possible in, like, a weird philosophical direction. 
But also, like, you know, there's conflict of religion because of the weirdo who doesn't, who believes not in not. I'm not entirely certain that religion would be recognizable. It's not like religion, like, believing in a god. It's more of a philosophy of truth and answers and questions and life. Yeah, exactly. But it's like a religion because people just believe that it's the right way. And they the fact get... that you can get an answer means that you should never ask for it. Oh, there. We probably should set some rules up for like if you ask like, uh, really subjective questions like, which of these is better, <laughs> without specifying what you mean by better. I think that that would just be the kind of question that like doesn't get a response. But does it use up your question? Yeah. If you don't get a response at all, it doesn't use your up your question. No, I think if you ask what's better without specifying your exact definition of better, the answer is such an exhaustively detailed comparison of every aspect between the two things that it gets <laughs> into the most condensed shorthand possible and nobody can understand what so the that it's is. impossible to understand yeah. okay it's like it's, it, it, it's the answer is on par with some of like the most you know complex questions ever like someone asks like what is gravity and, and it's about the same equivalent as like what's better pepsi or coke <laughs> <laughs> what's better gravity or light <laughs> uh but if you if you define, yes, I have given everybody a headache with that question. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But if you define the exact parameters of what you mean by better, then it'll just give you like a one-word answer. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously. Excellent. Okay. So I mean, our, our main character, maybe. Ooh, maybe our main character is, like, studying the question and the question of how to ask the question, and that's, like, the area that they sort of go into. It's like, how should we treat truth is is the ultimate, like, discovery direction there. That's actually, that's actually fun, because I like epistemology, because I'm uh, a psychopath. Um... <laughs> Not, that's not actually true, but, you know, it is funny to say. Yeah, that's not what a psychopath is. <laughs> it's not. Not even close. I, I say things like, I don't yawn when other people yawn because I'm a psychopath, and that's probably more true. <laughs> I mean, on, on a scale of degrees of truthiness, probably slightly better. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I'm not entirely certain that it matters. <laughs> I mean, who else, like, never yawns when other people yawn? It's an empathic response. <laughs> I mean, I get the I get the urge to, but then I can just choose not to. I don't get the urge to. <laughs> I'm telling you, psychopath. <laughs> I'm not sure that the word applies, but you know what? We're just going to skip over that. Okay. Um... I don't really think that we have, like, a big central answer that this would come to. Like, you get to the resolution and it's just like, thanks for exploring this, and the main character is going to ask the question now, and because I can't literally answer that, uh, yeah. we're just going to end the book. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the last 
line of the book is just the the question and then the or getting the answer yeah like they got the answer but and then the book ends because exactly it's not like we're gods of truth how would we know how to write that answer (laughs) we are not the universe we cannot give the perfectly correct answer to any question that being said we are technically the gods of whatever story we write because we can make whatever we want happen. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's a certain degree of we shouldn't at, at when we're doing like an actual exploration of the human condition, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, if it's a human condition. You definitely can, but you probably shouldn't because it'll make you look like a weirdo. Yeah. I mean, you know, among other things, like deciding to write this story but (laughs) we like weirdos (laughs) i mean i was talking about not the good kind of weirdo if you decide to answer the question at the end the bad kind of weirdo yeah well that should have a separate term because i like it really should but unfortunately uh we're stuck using the english language at the moment i think that's the only shared language that we have so That's the one we're unfortunately going to use. I mean, even if we had another shared language, it's the only one I can be uh, articulate in. (laughs) Well, (laughs) there you go. Okay, so I think that's uh, Seed. We didn't didn't exactly outline the plot events because it's not really about that. There's not really a plot. <laughs> about philosophizing and like, you know, flavor it with the way you think about the world and truth. This Discover is a, your own answers. This is a world with an objective reality. Yeah. And doesn't that just open up a whole other can of worms <laughs> that I don't want to talk about? Um. Uh, so, you know, you might have to get into some philosophy fun if you want it. I mean, I assume you wouldn't get into this story unless you were already into some philosophy fun. Yeah, I'm gonna assume that most people who don't know anything about philosophy are not gonna be writing this story. I don't don't think anyone's like, whoa, that sounds cool, but just let me do about, like, three months of research on basic philosophical grounding before I start. No, there's definitely a type of guy who would do that. And it's always going to be a guy. Um, oh, well, if you're that guy, email us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to hear what motivates you to be that guy. Uh, but I don't really know if I want to know the thing that you wrote so much as what motivates you to write the thing. But we'll nonetheless read it as we are contractually obligated to. I don't think we're contractually obligated to. I would still probably read it anyway, but that's just because I would read it fast. Uh, I don't know what... What do you call it when you say... When you promise things verbally without a contract, but... It's still a verbal contract. It's just not legally... It's a verbal contract if there are multiple people involved who are on opposite sides of whatever that deal is. Is it a social contract? Is it a... I mean, it's just holding to your word. But is it's it not, a, like, an actual contract of any enforceable a, a, variety. a moral contract? Is it I guess a, you could call it a moral contract. Is it a promise? It's a promise. You could call it a promise. It's a promise. 
We probably you couldn't call it a contract because it's not like enforceable anywhere. Or at least anywhere that I'm aware of and can be prosecuted. We promise that one of us will read every attempt at uh, doing one of our stories. There. Well, <laughs> if you enjoyed listening to this, then uh, we would appreciate it if you like it, rate it, review it. Whatever your personal podcast platform of choice is uh, most inclined to allow. Uh, if you like this story and want to write it, email us at listeners at unwritenimaginings.com so we can read it and tell other people you wrote it and stuff. Exactly. We would love to put your work out into the world in, 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 uh, to whatever reach we have. We would even make a new page on our website just to link to things that are written based on our episodes. Technically, I have that page written. It's just not published. We would publish so. the pre-existing page on our <laughs> website. Yeah, make a new page that already exists. Uh, there we go. If you want to be a guest on our show, email us at guests at unwrittenimaginings.com. Do the liking and subscribing things. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening.